A lot of stress in my life manifests in physical symptoms and, and illness. And so I am so cognizant of how am I supporting myself, my well-being, and the, you know, it's the inner work, right? That, you know, everyone's looking for the results, you know, like, how do I make six figures my first, you know, year in business? And it's like, okay, let's look inside and do the inner work to get the outer results. And like I said, I can't even imagine starting an entrepreneurial journey without having that support. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Get Carried Away with your host, me, Carrie Murray, founder of The Bra Network. I'm thrilled to have my guest today, Sheila Eggert. She's not only a bra member, she is the founder of Your Inner Circle Coaching, a six-figure leadership and human potential company. Oh, I love that, potential. As a certified leadership and transformation coach, Sheila has a passion for helping leaders embrace a new model of leadership with grace and ease. That's right. Grace and ease, two wonderful sounding words. This sets up for their personal well-being as the foundation to unleash levels of success they never thought possible. Sheila, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad we're having our conversation, no matter what uh, natural disaster. Right. If you didn't know, LA was hit with a hurricane recently and then an earthquake. So nothing was going to keep Sheila and I apart. I'm so glad to have you here. First, I want to start with a transformation leadership coach. If I would have asked 11-year-old Sheila, what are you going to be when you grow up? Would would you have said a transformation coach? I probably would not have known that. (laughs) But I always had this feeling of wanting to help people. Like when I played with my dolls when I was a little girl, it, you know, it was teacher, but also caretaker, like taking care of my dolls or, you know, whatever. So I, you know, did I have the words transformation and leadership coach back then? No, but I think it was always, I think I always knew that I was meant to do something to support and help other people. I love that. And you're, so you very much have a very nurturing energy that comes off. And when I met you in person and just on Zoom, like it's really, really warm and welcoming. So you really convey that. So maybe those dolls just felt really taken care of back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) But I I know you weren't in this for, you know, your entire career. Tell me about your journey into becoming this, this coach. Like, where did you begin to go to college? Did you, you know, start someplace else in corporate America? Tell me about Sheila's journey. Yeah. So interestingly, you mentioned college. So I went to college having no idea of what I wanted to do. And so at the recommendation of my dad, went to business school and freshman year, you had a number of required courses. And one of them, you know, aside from accounting and economics and computer science, for some reason, psychology and sociology were two of the core courses to get into the business school. And I just love them. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I love this psychology, sociology. And like this accounting, not so much. And I remember after my freshman year, you the school that I went to, you had to 
get a certain GPA your freshman year and the core courses to get into the business school. I was always a great student. So I get the GPA, I get into the business school. A lot of the guys around me in my dorm that were like so dedicated to getting into the business school did not get in. I get in and I go, oh my God, I don't really want to do this. (laughs) So I went to see my guidance counselor and I just said, I don't know what to do. I love the psychology and sociology classes, and I really didn't like the business classes. And he said, well, why don't you just change your major to psychology? And, you know, at the time, I was just like, what? Like, what are you going to do with a psychology major? And what's so interesting is now in hindsight, my psychology classes set me up for business and leadership and managing people and all of that much better than any of those business classes ever would have. So I did end up with a business minor and a psychology major, came out of school, and the the really logical place for psychology was to get a degree and become a therapist, and it just wasn't calling to me. Mm-hmm. So I went and looked for a job. And of course, with a psychology degree, an undergraduate degree in psychology, going to apply to businesses in New York City, I was asked, how fast do you type? Uh. And yeah, so I ended up just by happenstance with my first job at it was Chase at the time, the bank, working as a personnel assistant, you know, to somebody who was starting up a learning and development department for operations and systems at Chase. And and that's how my career started. It was kind of like I applied for jobs as a sales assistant at a brokerage firm and, you know, all these different things. And this ended up, and I just built my career from there, leadership development, talent management, DEI. I launched diversity and inclusion initiatives at J.P. Morgan in the early 90s. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. And that's a time when it was like, well, benchmarking, you know, well, what are the other investment banks and commercial banks doing? And it was like, there's no one to really benchmark against at this Mm -hmm. point. So my whole career ended up just through a series of opportunities being in change, you know, whether it was developing, reaching your potential, you know, working in banking with multiple mergers and acquisitions and and helping employees and leaders like navigate these massive changes where they were saying goodbye to their beloved colleagues or being asked to do their job differently or being asked to do the job of three people and all of that. And so you can see where that psychology degree really came in handy. And my love for helping people real was just became my career. So, you know, I just kept growing my career in corporate. I was a pioneer in many ways. In the 90s, I was a part of one of the first job share partnerships at JP Morgan. And so for those of your listeners who don't know, job sharing is where two people share one full-time role and you each work part-time. I was able to work two 10-hour days. And so 20 hours got full benefits, got promoted with my job share partner to VP, you know, at the at the time. So I've always been on the 
cutting edge of like, what's new and what are the possibilities? Like, I always thought like, uh, you know what, when I have kids and I knew I wanted to have children and everyone around me was making choices about you either stay at home and give up your career or you're working and you're having one or two nannies and you're barely seeing your kids for an hour a day. And I knew that neither one of those was a choice for me. Mm-hmm. So what, so I, I don't know, I manifested a job share that, you know, where I was able to do both. I was able to be home and go to Gymboree and music together and also be still engaged in, in my career, like not just a job. Right. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing about me, you know, you, I, I, in your introduction, you said like grace and ease, like, yes, people are probably very surprised to hear those words used with leadership because leadership is not an easy job. And I feel like it's just gotten tougher and tougher, right? Where, you know, as the years are going on, I mean, the new Gallup survey results are out from 2022, 59% of employees are quiet quitting. So Mm -hmm. that's the term that we've, I think we've heard more frequently. Yeah. Where someone's just like filling a seat and looking at the clock. And then I don't know if you're you or your listeners have heard this term. Now there's loud quitting. Okay, I haven't heard that. What's that? Okay, so loud quitting is not taking your feet and walking out the door. Loud quitting is when then that's 18% of people we are actively trying to harm the organization. Wow. Yeah. Like seeking so revenge. Now we not only have quiet quitting, which managers and leaders are just overwhelmed with. Now we have loud quitting. And then there's the third category, which is 23% are employees who reported thriving. So we've got 23% of people thriving, 59% of employees quiet quitting, just like mm-hmm. doing what they can to get through the day, and 18% loud quitting. Wow. About to burn the place down. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, I read that and I was like, "Ooh, this is a new one for me. And so for me, that grace and ease was something that came naturally to me, but it made me a misfit in corporate. And so I can remember when I was 24 years old and got put in charge of developing an an entire curriculum for the clerical employees at Chase. So big responsibility, you know, a year and a half into my career. And part of that was meeting and selecting and negotiating with consultants. And one day after I'd been on calls with consultants, my manager calls me into her office and says, you know, somebody saw me And I realized after it was on the phone with a consultant on this phone. And during that call, I will tell you, I was negotiating the price. I got that consultant to slash the price in half. During that call, my manager said, have you been on personal calls this morning? (laughs) And I was like, I'm 24 years old. And I'm just like, oh my God, am I in trouble? And then I came back and I'm like, Actually, I was on the call with the vendor and I cut the price in half. I wasn't like, I'm going to get her to lower. I mean, she was a a lovely human being, 
you know, I was genuinely having a conversation with her. We were enjoying, I might've even been laughing. I'm sure I was smiling. Just, you know, you have a great program and here's what I think we, whatever. Personable. And I was accused of being on personal calls. <laughs> so when I think back and reflect on my journey, I feel like that feeling that like, no, actually work doesn't have to be hard yeah. and it can be fun and enjoyable. And it's not this big competitive thing. And then the other story, which I like to share is we did a 360 feedback. So this is a few years later in my career. And 360 feedback is where you get feedback from people who report to you, from your peers and your manager. So 360. 360. Exactly. And so I, I get this feedback and it's something like that I don't meet deadlines or they don't have confidence that I'm meeting deadlines or, you know, something like that. And I was so perplexed. So I'm having a debrief conversation with my leader at the time, who was president of the Jungian Psychology uh, Association. So very psychologically oriented. And at a certain point, he just looks at me and he said, Sheila, don't you realize that you're a zebra? in a herd of horses. And I went, it was like, what? They noticed? Like, I'm different. Like, I was the one sitting in meetings. And and this is not like, we are not having life or death situations in banking. I was in HR. You know, this is not, and people would be in meetings like, and just so stressed and so like, you know, about whatever the project was that we were working on. And I would just be sitting there, you know, my 25, 26 year old self going, God, what is everyone so stressed out about? And because I had this ease about work, it didn't mean I was less committed than anyone else. It didn't mean that I was working, you know, less or contributing less than anyone else. But the perception was, she's different. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. So I, I mean, it was honestly, it was, it was almost a point of like shame for me back then. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm not fitting in and people don't think, you know, and then as I grew and matured, now I wear it as a point of pride. And yes. I would say if if you're the zebra in your corporate job, like be proud, wear it proudly because yeah. All that meant is that I didn't buy into that old paradigm of leadership that it's, you know, it's pushing through and it's tough and it's stress and it's hustle and it's competition and, you know, and and that financial gains and the corner office and the, you know, nice address and the vacations and the car, like that's the measure of success. And I think I just naturally always just didn't buy into that. Yeah. And so, and and I think that we have a lot of people who have bought into that over the course of their careers and, you know, and come to a certain point that it's like, okay, I have the corner office. I have the fancy cars and the home and the money and, you know, whatever, all of the trappings, you know, the Instagram fabulous life. Sure. But inside, I'm dying. Like I'm not feeling good. I'm stressed. The burnout statistics now, you you read that the World Health Organization has redefined burnout 
as a syndrome tied to chronic workplace stress that is not managed well. So Uh it's not a medical condition. They're classifying it as an occupational phenomenon. And so what I find is a lot of the very successful senior leaders that I work with have this enormous external success. I mean, people would look at them and go like, wow, I want to be them. And yet from the holistic success standpoint, what's my personal life like? You know, am I really satisfied with what I'm doing? Sleeping? (laughs) So something that came naturally to me for whatever reason, I, I don't know why, you know, that little girl that was taking care of her dolls and all of that. It, you know, it really, now I look at leaders with such compassion for the stress that they're under that, you know, and when we look at those Gallup survey results, of course, that's not just the employees, the leaders are in there too, suffering from the burnout and the stress and and all of that. And then on top of that, they're being asked to, you know, motivate people and increase productivity. Oh, and by the way, your budget's been cut and you have to lay off half your people and the jobs are being sent overseas. Um, and so for me, I look at it with such compassion of like, If we don't create this new model of leadership where the leader's well-being is at the foundation of it, taking care of yourself, taking care of your own burnout, taking care of your own, you know, lack of engagement, we're just going to see more and more leaders get burnt out. And then as per, you know, I know your audience is a lot of entrepreneurs and also female entrepreneurs, we're talking about women who, you know, are leaving the corporate environment, maybe are leaders in their own business, are leaders in their community, leaders with their family. And a lot of the women that I meet, the high performing women have been leaning way heavily into their masculine energy right? Like on overdrive, that pressure to like be and talk. Form and go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I loved the the coffee cocktails and conversation with Samara Bay that you held recently. And it was, let's change the sound of leadership, right? Yeah. Let's not. And this has been, and this is, goes back to my work in DNI, which was, you know, are we are we helping people or teaching people who are not the majority in the workplace how to fit in and be like that old paradigm? Uh-huh. Or are we creating an environment that is so inclusive that leadership doesn't look or sound a certain way? Because at the end of the day, one of the things that I learned very early on in my DEI career um, was how much energy is wasted that could be going into innovation and, you know, satisfying customers and all that. Yeah, that's right. All that energy that's being wasted for people trying to fit in to a certain mold. And then that feeling when you don't fit in, like, I know that feeling and it really you know, and then you're just thinking like, oh, how can I be more like that? And how can I fit in better? And it's really getting to the point. And of course, 
oh, P.S., we just had a global pandemic, right. you know, <laughs> mental health crisis in the country. So, you know, we're also dealing with people who are not engaged. Stress is at a record high. 44% of people um, reported having a lot of stress the day before in the Gallup survey. So that's a lot that we're putting on leaders. And then when people leave the organization to become entrepreneurs, people don't realize it's they're you know, you left that toxic boss or that toxic environment behind, and then you're doing it in your own business. Yeah. So how many entrepreneurs do you know who are just like in that hustle and grind mode and working 24 seven and letting go of other areas of their life that are really important to their overall success, like their physical well-being, getting exercise, spending quality time with their families or love any loved ones without you know, being so distracted and checking their phone 24-7. So whether you're a leader in a corporation or it's your own business, I just feel like this is so critical right now. I feel like we are at this point that it, it it's becoming a crisis. Yeah, I completely, now. I feel yeah. like we are like at the beginning of a renaissance when it comes to like everybody kind of checking themselves. I, I also think that the days of working at the same job for 40, 50 years from the moment you graduate or get out of high school and you're there in the same office, those days are gone too. Um, I think that's yeah. my parents' generation. You know, now a, a millennial or a Gen Zer, as they enter the workforce, they don't stay at the same job for more than four or five years, and then they move on to something else or they create their own thing. It's really, really fascinating to me to see how the workforce has changed, but we still have these systems in place to support a corporate model. You know, yeah. um, and it's just it's we've got it. They've got to adapt for sure. My qu question to you is, who was a leader that inspired you? Like, because you have this great approach, you're the zebra and you're inclusive and you did DEI work. But was there someone in your journey that you looked up to or you thought this person is a good leader? I want to mentor them or something like that. Who inspired you? Actually, it was my first manager. Um, at Chase, who, uh, you know, and, and interestingly, at first, they hadn't completed their internal search. So they weren't able to offer me the job. And I ended up taking another job. But I just had connected so much with this leader, um, Elizabeth, shout out if you're listening. I just had this connection, like she was somebody who was going to actually care about my development and my growth. It, you know, it's funny, I took this other job, which was as a brokerage assistant, when I didn't get that job, because I was like, you know, I was 22 years old, and I needed a job. And I, I went and called her on my first break. And I said, you know, I know I told you I took another job, but I, I really want to work for you. And, and if, so if there's an opportunity, please still keep me in mind. And two weeks later, they did. And and I think it's what I saw and what I felt was somebody who didn't just look at me as, you know, you know the productivity that I yeah. that I could offer. But, you know, she, A, she gave great feedback. 
B, she never, I mean, I was a, basically an admin assistant when I started, but she wouldn't just give me something and say, here, type this. Right. She would explain to me what the context was so that I had a connection between my work and the outcome. She gave me feedback. She, and and sometimes things that weren't so easy, you know, about my style and the way I came across and all of those things that like, what a gift to get that early yeah. in your career. You know, somebody that really sees you. Yes, and takes the time to nurture that and, and you know, bring the best out of you. And I think as when we become entrepreneurs, we don't have that. We don't have the boss. We don't have the mentor. We're, we're now our own person. And that's part of the reason why I created Women on the Rise is to recognize women that are on the rise because they don't have the leader, the mentor. When you finally left corporate and you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, launch my own program here to support leaders. Was that transition hard from leaving corporate to now becoming your own boss and entrepreneur? Well, what I have done is I, I have invested in myself and in being part of communities to support. So most recently, the Bra Network, before that, you know, being part of other programs with other female leaders. And it's interesting because I do one-on-one coaching and it's so powerful. And I also believe in that belonging to a group and that support. So as a coach, I'm kind of your, your one-woman cheering squad and not just like, yeah, you can do it, but giving techniques that I learned for it, you know, and isn't it so interesting that we, all of this personal development work that we would say was the most transformational, you know, in terms of like, how do I regulate my nervous system and shut down that talk track in my head telling me I can't do this and I can't be successful. None of that is taking place in corporate. So with over 35 years in corporate, and I've had access to the top programs from the top universities and consultants internationally, and they give all these great models, but it never goes to the how, you know, so I can give a model for like how to have a difficult conversation. That's one that's always a big one, right? Whether you're in corporate or an entrepreneur, and yet I could have the best model for having that conversation, but if if my brain is going, oh my God, oh my God, the person's going to cry. There's what is it going to be like? It's going to be so difficult. And then of course, we know that our primitive brain is like basically telling us like, eh, eh, abort, it's not safe. You're going to die. So, so that's where I invested in myself so that the transition, you know, I can't even imagine being out there on your own as an entrepreneur. I just, I don't know how people do it. And and for me personally, a lot of stress in my life manifests in physical symptoms and, and illness. And so I am so cognizant of how am I supporting myself, my well-being, and the, you know, it's the inner work, right? Yeah. That, you know, everyone's looking for the results, you know, like, how do I make six figures my first, you know, year in business? And it's like, okay, let's look inside and do the inner work to get the outer results. And like I said, I can't even imagine starting an entrepreneurial journey without having that support 
Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And well, what happens is, is you, you get burnout, you get frustrated, and then you're just like, fuck it, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. I see the cycle a lot, especially among women. You know, I definitely see them be the hardest on themselves. They suffer from a lot of negative self-talk. And it's not until they're at like a breaking point until they're like, I need help. You know, what What would you say are the triggers for people realizing, oh, wait, I, I need support in this as an entrepreneur, you know, or even someone in corporate? What would you say is like something that's like oh, a, a red flag for someone? I think that the red flag is when, you know, I know when I've left jobs, when it was like, I should have left a while ago. And I'm kind of like, instead of having that excitement about the job, or in this case, about their business, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I got to go do whatever for the business. Like when you're feeling like dread instead of excitement for Mm. your own business, for sure, that's a red flag and just that level of stress, you, you know, and whatever it is, you know, I mean, burnout, the, some of the symptoms of burnout, right. Are loss of interest in things that you love, be feeling really tired, feeling, you know, disengaged and not motivated. And so if you're not motivated for your own business, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be a tough road. So yeah, I would just say if, you know, when you're not feeling motivated, when you're feeling tired, when you're feeling stressed about your own business, which I do think most entrepreneurs are not just like looking for, you know, what's going to be a profitable business. Most people are going into it because it's something they're really excited about, right? Where, you know, I'm so excited about supporting women and, you know, helping them in be successful in their journey. And, you know, so I find that most entrepreneurs are doing something that they're really excited and passionate about. And if you're feeling that starting to wane, probably a sign that it you need help. Yeah. Okay. And, and no shame in that. Zero shame in that. Yeah. We were all programmed as a certain way in this old paradigm of leadership. And like you said, women particularly, it's like, do it all. I got to do it all myself. I got to tough it out. Like you don't, <laughs> you yeah. absolutely yeah. don't. And, and you shouldn't. And, and of course, I would say when it's gone really too far is when you're starting to have the physical symptoms, when you're not sleeping. Manifestations of it. Yeah. And now my, the other side of that is, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I now have my first couple team members. I've now been put into a leadership role. What advice would you give that, that entrepreneur who is now thrusted into a leadership role as being an employer? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I first realized that being a leader is part of your job now, right? And that's, I mean, I've, over the course of my career, I have actually trained and worked with a lot of new leaders. So whether it's corporate or not, and that transition from doing to motivating and directing others is a huge transition. And many people don't even realize like, oh, actually I need to operate differently now. So now it's not about just doing, it's about, you know, what, what develop, what would be developmental and exciting for my team that you need to share your vision with the team. 
and your direction. Cause that's the other thing, you know, you can be brilliant and have all these great ideas and you're like zooming full speed ahead. And it's like, Oh wait, I left a few people behind me and that was my team. <laughs> so yeah, it is, it is a job, you know, and, and it is, you know, it's time to, to really develop in your own leadership style and recognize that's a job now. Yeah, for sure. I know from, for me, the, the thing I struggled with when I first started really, you know, being put in a leadership position, the first time was when I was a principal um, and I'm supervising teachers is that I thought I could just do it myself. I'll just do it. It'll take yeah, me. It's easy to do it myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to do it. I'll just do it. It's fine. And then I realized, oh, I have a lot to do now. It was very hard for me to delegate. Very, very yes. hard. Yeah. It's control, yes. right? Yeah. 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 And and it is, like I said, it's like you're no longer doing it all. And I think you raised such a good point, which is in the beginning, it is going to take more time to explain it to someone else, to get someone else to do it somewhat closely to the way you would do it. Because that's the other thing, right? It's letting go of that control and that perfection because other people are probably not going to do it quite the way you're doing it. Yeah. And so you have to get past that, like you like you experience, you have to get past, oh, I could do it myself quicker and easier. And it's like, well, why do I have people working for me? And why am I paying people? Right, exactly. How is an entrepreneur feeling before they're like, I need to work with Sheila? I know you said you work one-on-one. So what's describe what I'm feeling if I'm ready to seek out and work with you. I think it's that feeling of overwhelm, mm-hmm. burnout. It, it's a lot of overwhelm, distraction, lack of motivation, just feeling more stressed than fun. You know, like this is, being an entrepreneur is a fabulous journey. It's so exciting, but it is actually secretly, I think the biggest personal growth opportunity of your life. And I don't think anyone tells you that, you know, and no. it's so all of a sudden, when you when you start to hear that negative self talk and oh, I you know, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Oh, I have so much to do. I'm I'm. How am I going to get this all done? That's when you reach out and you get you get some help because uh, as as a coach, understanding you know what's going on on for you personally, not just you know anyone. And really helping to diagnose, like, where are you getting in your own way? You know, where where do you have tremendous strengths that you're not using? And it's just, I just think to get an outside perspective of somebody who is very compassionate and caring. And I don't, I can't emphasize this enough. I do not look at anyone who reaches out for help from a coach or, you know, anywhere as like broken, like there is nothing wrong with you. Everything you're feeling is 100% normal and human. Yeah, for sure. It's just part of our humanness is that our brain, that primitive part of our brain does not want us to change. It, it equates the unfamiliar with danger. Yes. And it doesn't want us to change. And to be an entrepreneur, you you kind of have to throw out a lot of what you learned working in corporate, right? You need to you need to really change who you are being. And when you're clinging to 
that identity that you had in corporate, you're going to keep getting frustrated. And so when you're saying, wow, this feels hard. And I'm like, maybe hopefully people would seek out help before they're ready to give up. Yeah. But they, but also when you're thinking, as you mentioned before, like, nah, I, I don't know, maybe this, maybe this isn't for me. It's not. It's just that you need to unlearn a lot of what you've learned by being an employee. Yeah. We are very much programmed, even in our schools, right? We're going into kindergarten and first grade as an employee of the teacher. And (laughs) we're in a, and we're in this community to learn and we're all going to approach things differently. But that's the boss. If the boss says it's raise your hand, you're going to do it. We're indoctrinated that way. You know, I find that really fascinating. Now, when you, when you left, when you broke up with corporate, was it a smooth transition for you? Or were you just like, I'm taking everything but the stapler. I mean, were were you ready to move and do your own thing or like, wow. It was gradual. It was gradual. And yeah, so I, and, and honestly, I know people who have done it differently and been what we like to call released from their job. Mm -hmm. And I think the universe has a way of, you know, releasing, you know, a colleague of mine through my, my magic program was also, I think, a middle school administrator and just really wanting to start her business as a master pranic energy healer and and had been dabbling in it. And then like one day she pops in and says, I've been released from my job. And, and it, you know what? I am very much, I, I didn't talk about intuition and just this belief that like things will roll out in your life exactly the way they're supposed to. And so whether you make a gradual transition or you are released and you finally, you know, that thing that you've been wanting to do and focus on full time, you know, it it's time. And I also know people, like you said, who just are like, I can't take it anymore. And, and I'm quitting. And if, you know, if people have that option available to them, you know, great. And my biggest concern about that part is I also know, and and what I teach my clients is how to regulate your nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. So how to take like a step and not a huge leap, which is going to just like kick your nervous system into like, "Ah, ah," you know, high alert. And so, you know, if you're going to do that, the, hey, I'm just going to take the leap and leave my job, understand that you need, you really need support there because you're, you need to get that regular, you need to be regulated so that you're the best you can be for your business. Yeah. I think that's so unbelievably important. And we, I see that a lot among, especially female entrepreneurs, the kind of dysregulation and not trusting their intuition and kind of, and then eventually being like, oh, Maybe I should have just trusted that because here I am and it's happening, you know? Well, yeah, because in their corporate lives, the, you know, it was, there was a way to do things and an, and an answer, right? And people were telling you, I mean, that one of the biggest things for me in corporate was I had tremendous intuition and everything was facts and data and what's the policy on this and the this on that. And so you get trained to, to not, trust your intuition and your knowing. And when you become an entrepreneur, you are creating something totally new. And that's the beauty of it. 
And also, if you're trying to keep going the way you were in corporate, the biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been so, so rich. I'm loving all of this. Now, before we get carried away, because we've been talking for a bit, I definitely want to talk about what you've brought my audience today. One is your holistic leadership audit. Now, I think this is fascinating. Tell me about this first. So the holistic leadership audit gives you an opportunity to just really reflect on your holistic success. So not just in your career, but in different areas of your personal life and see where are where do you have the most satisfaction and where do you have the least satisfaction. And what I find is that helps it helps people to be less overwhelmed at like, I don't know, it just all feels like too much and focus in and then some really juicy reflection questions mm. about what it would feel like and, you know, where where would it make the biggest impact in your overall satisfaction to start to work? Because very often, you know, your career success and your financial success like looks pretty good, but you're still not feeling great. So there's, yeah. that's the holistic leadership audit kind of helps you, you know, basically audit, you know, all of the areas that go into holistic success. I love that. That's going to be in the show notes as well as all of your contact email website, all the places, but there was, you brought two gifts. So I tell us about yes. the, the micro learning club. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I recorded a micro learning based on a workshop that I have done for hundreds of leaders in corporate called Grace and Ease, How to Embrace a New Paradigm of Leadership. So it's a real how-to of understanding how do you become different, you know, so it's about, you know, so if you're right now the opposite of grace and ease, you know, stress and hustle, you know, right. how do you embrace a new way of being to support your success? So I think it's about a 30 minutes, some somewhere between 25, 30 minutes. Um, and I think people will get a lot out of it. I'm very much into being very practical, very neuroscience based, so that it I break it down. It's really easy and practical that tools that you can walk away with. I love, I love great takeaway as a former teacher <laughs> and principal. I like takeaway I don't <laughs> want fluff and ideas. You can imagine that. No, I want to like, give me something to do. That's going to show me, give me direction or inspiration. I love that. Thank you so much for bringing both of those things. Now, yeah. if anyone's listening and they're driving in their car right now, just say really quickly, what's your website? where we can find you so they can remember. Sure. So Sheila Eggert on, you know, on Sheila.Eggert on Instagram, same, same on Facebook. My website is the abbreviation for your inner circle. So yink, Y-I-N-C, coaching.com. People can find me there. And even my email, Sheila at yinkcoaching.com if you want to reach out. And I also offer, if anyone just wants to explore more, what it would look like, how I could support your listeners in, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, or perhaps somebody wants to do something for their team. Um, I'm absolutely um, open to doing that as well. Uh, I just don't have any group workshops open workshops planned right now. And yeah, so reach out. I'm happy to do, you know, a half hour strategy session with you so you can better understand um, how I might be able to support you. And also, 
I'll help you get a little clarity about, you know, even helping you set a direction. Oh, I love all of that, Sheila. I need this. <laughs> I need to reach out to you. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I need that too. <laughs> this has been full of so much knowledge and great nuggets of wisdom. Thank you so much. Now, before we wrap up, we've got to get carried away. I get carried away with all my guests. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the first thing is, what's something you're totally obsessed with? Is it baking? Is it dogs? I know you just moved. So I'm wondering if that's your answer. What do you get that, carried away? That about? is my answer. I am obsessed with the beach. Um, and I just moved to living with a path to the beach is in my backyard. And, you know, I know, you know, one of your questions is sometimes like, what show are you binge watching? I haven't turned on my TV. Uh, you know, it's it's beautiful here in Southern California. It's summertime. And in my free time, I am walking my dog on the beach. I am walking on the beach. I'm sitting on the beach. I'm obsessed with the beach right now and how close I am to it. I love it. I love it. Congratulations on that. Yeah. It's wonderful. I've never actually lived in a state that didn't have a coast. I just thought about that right now. I've always lived at a place that always had a beach. Yeah. Virginia and California and Washington. Always had a beach. To my landlocked friends, come out to California. The beach is calling you. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, the the opposite of that is something you can't stand that other people get very, very carried away about. For me, one thing that comes to mind is I cannot stand sriracha. I can't (laughs) get behind sriracha. People put it on everything. Just I know. Do it. I can't do it. What about you? <laughs> so I could just agree with you there because I do. I I don't get it. I'm not sriracha, but for me, it is crime drama on TV. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Which are they are the shows that are the highest rated, the longest running. You know, CSI in 50 different cities for multiple years. Like I have never been able to get behind that. And, and, you know, I've tried now and then because they are so popular, but yeah. 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 Procedural crime dramas, those are called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. I understand that. I get that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sheila. This has been so, so fun. Please follow Sheila in all the places and everything will be in the show notes. So when you do park your car after listening to this, you can go back to your phone and, you know, do it safely. Don't do it while you're driving. In the meantime, make sure you like and subscribe and follow us on YouTube or on Instagram and share this with someone who's having a hard time with leadership or transitioning into entrepreneurship. Sheila is the woman you need to know. Thank you, Sheila, for being my guest and getting carried away. Thank you. This was fun. Bye. Bye.